See It or Screw It is a spoiler-heavy show. If you've got an issue with that, you can currently watch Summer of Soul or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised on Disney Plus and Hulu. If that's not an issue for you, then on with the show. Welcome to Cedar Screw My name's TJ Davis. He, him pronouns alongside. I'm Emily Schick, and my pronouns are she and her. Uh, I'm Dan Murphy. My pronouns are he and him. I am Parag, he, him. And on this episode, we are doing, I think that I wanted to call it um, The Revolution Will Not Be Televised, because much like, you know, the subtitle of this movie, it, it's a callback to uh, fucking... Uh, what is it? it? It's well, it's a song called "The Revolution Will Not Be Televised." Yes, by Gil Scott Aaron. Yes, yep. that's the one. Um, but yeah, we're talking about Summer of Soul, and we're doing it as like our Juneteenth sort of episode, and I think that's cool. You know, uh, weekly. Although I have no idea how I have no idea how long this episode is going to go because it's our first time talking about a documentary as well, and it's yeah. not really like a narrative driven documentary. <laughs> It's yeah. it's very much uh you know it's it's a concert film in a lot of ways. Um, it's a little it has a little bit more um in terms of interviews than just purely showing concert footage. But I would say that seventy five percent of this film is just showing concert concert footage. So yeah, I mean I like that it has something more to say than just you know like a Woodstock documentary of like these are the bands that were playing then. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I thought the talking heads were quite effective most of the time. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think that they could have expanded upon that. I mean, that's one of the things, and that's going to be one of my major criticisms of this, is that I think that they very likely could have expanded this into like a eight, ten episode series, um, talking kind of about each uh, kind of talking head bullet point that they bring up in more depth uh, than what we get here. But, you know, I mean, what we get here is still pretty good. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, I like... That's one of my biggest criticisms of this movie as well is like eight to 10 episode series. Cool. At least give me like the three and a half hour cut from Quest Love. <laughs> like, I'll take that at the very least, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Is it just because you guys have more time than me? But I don't, this was the perfect amount of this <laughs> that for me. I was like, I really, I really enjoyed it, but I, I don't think I'd want, I don't realistically if it was a long series i'd probably watch a couple episodes of it and then stop you know i mean so, i'd be less inclined yeah. to watch it but i think that audience is there and i think that you know a lot of yeah no absolutely points you could you expand could upon in interesting ways so it'd be interesting to see i mean especially considering how popular documentary series are these days like I, I just like yeah. uh, just skip the episode about the fifth dimension and you're good <laughs> oh fuck you <laughs> man <laughs> Sorry. They're kind of lame. I'm sorry. Oh, you're mean. Yeah, I I loved everyone I mean, else. Especially this, because like they were super stoked to be at the Harlem yeah, no, Cultural yeah, Festival be, because like everybody thought they were white and it's like yeah. no, we're fucking black. Voices aren't colored. Yeah, but that's some pretty lame ass white music. <laughs> I'm not no, surprised. I, mean... I thought they were white. They sound like fucking. Any other of the kind of lame bonds of the year? I, I don't know. I mean, they. I, I don't they, like the. I as, really as they point out, when they, when they took the stage that weekend, they were the number one single uh, that summer. That summer, so like, yeah, good for them. <laughs> also, I, you know, also, I find that wild that like the Age of Aquarius was a number one single, not from the actual musical, but 
from yeah. this band. Like, yeah, it yeah. really feels like they're just like, oh yeah. And then we were like, we got to turn this into a record. I'm like, you can do that. <laughs> it's just like take the song out of the musical. And it's like, if this is ours now. Um, I mean, it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially them, since you know? they had a relation, like at least a passing relationship with one of the producers of Hair, it yeah, probably yeah. was like, "Hey, we really want to re-record this and release it. You cool with that?" He's like, "Yeah, sure. Fuck it. Give me a percentage point." Yeah, yeah. I mean that was yeah. probably a big part of it. I mean, it's also just kind of like it's always interesting to see how certain songs break through and break in. I mean, like I've always thought that it's interesting that like I remember growing up as a kid, you know, kind of like a lot of the hit singles off of like Disney movies would turn into a big pop mm-hmm. hit. And I don't think that like Let It Go was certainly super popular, but I don't think it broke through as much. I mean, and you also had We Don't Talk About Bruno had that weird sort of surge of like, holy, holy crap, everyone's listening to this. Let's try to make it a pop hit. And then Really, it was like a couple months of airplay before it like they scaled it back. It's like things kind of stay in their lane now in a way that like isn't wasn't kind of the case, you know, growing up or especially back then. Um, you know, and then the other thing is so much of this is just like the relationship with with Motown of just like I basically clearly they reached out to Motown Records and was like, how many of your artists would be willing to do this? So, but yeah. you know, yeah. good on that. The, um... oh, that's another good one for us to do is Standing in the Shadows of Motown because that's a great doc too yeah I love Motown stuff oh if you've never uh, seen that it's worth the watch yeah no I, ha- I haven't seen that the yeah. um, Gladys Knight and the Pips performance is one of my favorites in this and the uh... well, it's oh, also crazy just, let me just like, like burn through yeah. this yeah like, let's burn through the synopsis, synopsis. But, yeah, <laughs> that we can talk about oh yeah I mean in yeah last night it's kind of crazy to just think of like she was very much not the headliner there at, at when this concert happened which and, again wild <laughs> yeah and now she's probably one of the biggest artists that was there so um I'd put her around sixth or seventh on the list. I don't know. I mean, it's like Stevie Wonder is definitely bigger than her, but like... yeah, well, Simone, so Simone. Simone. Be... yeah, <laughs> looking at the list, yeah, Simone, BB King, Sly and the Family yeah. Stone, they're all bigger. Uh, yeah, uh, Stevie's bigger. I don't yeah, know if like, Sly and the Family Stone like... was bigger at that time, though. Yeah, I mean, that's what, yeah, I mean, with Sly and the Family Stone, like they're not, they weren't the headliner either, which is oh, crazy. right, you mean, yeah, yeah, at the time. yeah, yeah. That's, that's a bit, that's a bit different. Oh yeah, I gotta look at that other fucking poster that actually lists the bands because the bold one is the headliner. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's how right. that works. So, Summer of Soul, directed by Questlove. This film examines well, directed by Questlove. <laughs> really, just like somebody directed. came across it. Yeah, somebody came across this box of tapes that was. Yeah, years he, old. he organized. No, most, I'm pretty sure yeah. like, pretty heavy yeah. handed yeah. in organizing these interviews um, and conducting. Well, and them, also so. editing what was going to appear in the movie as well yeah. in terms of like, this is a, this is a, how it's presented. Yeah. So this like, is a yes, very he, he did direct it. <laughs> It's a very hands-on direction for a documentary, I would say. Like, yeah, I, I don't know how much of that is, well, in, especially in, because it in his like edit, he was the but... interviewer as well. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure he was. Yeah. Like, we don't get most of his stuff outside of like that one bit at the end, which, like, I definitely yeah. want to talk about that at some point. But like, I'm fairly certain that he was the interviewer throughout all of those. I'm pretty sure he too. was. Yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. The film examines the 1969 Harlem Cultural Festival, which took place on six Sundays between June 29th and August 24th at Morris Park at Mount Morris Park, now Marcus Garvey Park in Harlem, using uh, using professional footage of the festival that was filmed as it happened, stock news footage and modern day interviews with attendees, musicians and other commentators to provide historical background and social context. Despite its large attendance and performances, performers such as Stevie Wonder, Mahalia Jackson, Nina Simone, The Fifth Dimension, The Staple Singers, Gladys Knight and the Pips, Mavis Staples, uh, Blinky Williams, Sly and the Family Stone, and the Chambers Brothers, the festival is much less well-known in the 21st century than is Woodstock, which took place on one of the same weekends, or on the same weekend as one of the days of the Harlem Cultural Festival, and the filmmakers investigate this among other topics. That is the laziest fucking synopsis to this that I could possibly think of. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, also we, not. We should also mention Academy Award winning documentary. Yeah, yeah, because that's yeah. worth mentioning. <laughs> yeah, mm. this did win the the best uh, documentary uh, Academy. Award. So what what's what's missing from that synopsis for you then? I mean, I think they could have expanded upon the uh, other topics. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that's pretty lazy. Like, there's a lot that's spoken about during this, which is sort of why I want to like go through the one that actually is on the 69 Harlem Cultural Festival. Yeah. Yeah. Not a bad idea. Because that definitely digs into, you know, what was going on a lot more. I mean, like, the majority of this first one, I can probably skip over the first paragraph. Oh, actually, no, I shouldn't. <laughs> um, uh, all right, so it was filmed by Hal Tulchin, who had tried to, like, sell it to multiple different people over yep. the years. Like, he ended up getting, uh, like, uh, two one-hour Dateline specials, I think, at some point. Yeah, he also uh, was successful in I think in getting some like using it in uh some stuff some uh documentaries about uh, Nina Simone, but like that was about it. So so he was really just like sitting on this footage Pretty much. for like yeah. 50 fucking years. <laughs> like I'm not fucking around when I say 50 years cuz I think it was like 2019, mm-hmm. like 2018 that it was like finally they started fucking... going into production on this, yeah. 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 Uh, I mean Okay, and then he died. That director died in 2017. Uh, to, he died in 2017, so I'm going to guess that it was probably like 2017 with his kids cleaning out his space then. Of like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, that makes sense. That like the ball started rolling on it. Um, well, there have been previous efforts according to the Wikipedia page, but you know... He tried to get it off the ground several times, like especially yeah. trying to call it Black Woodstock because, like, yeah, it it was some of the largest names in Black entertainment at that time coming out to do this free festival. Like, it reminds me of the old days of like um, Mixfest or River Rave before they started charging you for them. Yeah, yeah. Imagine a free musical festival now. Yeah, I know, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> Like, we grew up in a wild time, especially around here, because uh, I remember going to, like, not only several mix fests with my grandmother when I was, you know, at low double digits, but uh, also definitely going to at least one river rave 
when it was still free on the Charles. And like I remember going to just like single artist or mo- like a nor or you know a couple of artist shows like just a normal show that were free at places like City Hall Plaza and the Hat Shell. Yeah. Yeah, now you have to just hope they're just look at who's playing at Fenway and then stand outside Fenway. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Unless you know a guy and go with a pocket full of change and try and get it through the back, and they're like, I don't want to deal with that. Just go ahead. <laughs> I'd rather stand outside Fenway because A, it's cheaper. B, if I really want to drink, I can go somewhere and drink cheaper. And C, I can smoke. <clears throat> that too. Uh, Fenway Park. I love your history. I hate going there. Yep. How true. <laughs> like it. It's a shitty venue, but it's also yep. like a really historic one. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um. Uh, who is this, Lawrence? Uh, what, wait, was Tony, Tony Lawrence, Lawrence the yep. the organizer? Time. Oh, the organizer. That's who that was. Okay. Yep. No, he it like and that's one of the things like they briefly touch on this in the documentary of just like how he pulled this together because like this is impressive to pull together. Um, like oh, the yeah. king the king of promoters. Yeah. Well, I mean, Don King would, would be mad at you for saying that, but yeah. Oh, that's different. I mean music promotion, <laughs> event promotion. Yeah. But, but yeah, I guess you know Don King did organize some pretty insane events. Yeah. But this is an impressive one, and definitely more interesting. Although Rumble in the Jungle is pretty fucking good. Uh, he, he did he, he didn't do that one though. That's before him. Right? That's uh, before he, him. I think that is before him. But that is one of the most ridiculous boxing matches of all time. The movie, like the documentary, is one of the first like really great documentaries I ever saw. I, I, I really, I'm a big fan of that one. Check it out. Uh. All right, so should I? Uh, I'm gonna read through this because I think that there's a lot of stuff that isn't talked about in the other one that is touched on in this, at least. So, Tori, Tony Lawrence also hosted and directed the 1969 festival held in Mount Morris Park on Sundays at 3 p.m. from the 29th, June 29th to August 24th. Sponsors included Maxwell House Coffee from the deep. Po- yeah, that of ad Africa. is very weird and awkward yeah. and i kind of wish that they talked a little bit more about like like yeah. yeah i don't think culturally you could get away with that ad anymore <laughs> yeah nope well i mean it was also uh, like white people already drink coffee we're trying to get black people to drink coffee coffee comes from africa cool let's let them know it comes from africa yeah that's that's yeah. how it came across it was weird yeah yep um uh, and what was then the Parks, Rec, and Cultural Affairs Division of the City of New York, later separated into Parks and Rec and Cultural Affairs, Lawrence cured a wide range of performance, including, like, and I'm surprised, like, B.B. King wasn't mentioned in the other one. But Nina Simone, B.B. King, Sly and the Family Stone, Chuck Jackson, Abby Lincoln, and Matt Roach, The Fifth Dimension, David Ruffin, Hugh um, Masakala, Masakela, Mes. Masakila, Masakila. There we go. Uh, Gladys Knight and the Pips, Stevie Wonder, Mahalia Jackson, uh, Mongo Santa Maria, Ray Barreto, and Moms Mabley. Also, like, I don't know how the hell I know who the hell Moms Mabley is, but like, it, there's so Mrs. many. Maisel. Yeah. Okay. Uh, like, there are so many moments when watching this that, like, I'm sort of thankful for. 
like my mom's music diversity because like I would hear songs in this and be like, I fucking grew up listening to that song. It, it, like mm-hmm. it was just sort of, it was like a bit of a throwback for me because outside of listening to too much country, my mom's got some pretty cool taste in music. I don't know. I mean, you know, Age of Aquarius is pretty unescapable. So, well, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, my girl. Yep. I mean, yeah, my girl. <laughs> Which, I... like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, the lungs on this guy on Ruffin I... during that. Oh my song. God. That fucking, like, high it, E that he just... holds for like 20 seconds. Yeah. That's and wild. Then, and, then, and then pulls up into a insane scream out of that yeah. high note like uh, wow like and that's just like one of a million moments in this movie of just like insanely over delivering performances like uh stevie wonders especially the second song that they show from him later in the movie is like just there's just so much passion going into every part of it it's insane and also you don't really get there's not a huge amount of footage of a lot of these artists in their prime like this you know, there you can you can see bits and pieces, but like, I don't understand how like the the mastering job is so insane with the yeah uh, no this footage looks mix. so the good is, yeah the audio mix is great yeah, and the footage like they did some really looks amazing great, like maybe it's because it was sitting so long that they could restore it so well but like it looks really good um like it looks like stuff that was just shot like you know yesterday like it looks great it doesn't look like it's degraded at all which is awesome yeah it so. looks incredible yeah yeah it almost like gives off that uh vibe of like uh uh, those recent movies where they're like repainting world war one and stuff like that you know yeah tj's yelling at dog got a dog problem don't worry i'm gonna cut out most of what i'm (laughs) saying right now (laughs) mozzie go lie down Go to your cage of shame like you often do. <laughs> they're cute dogs, Those but they're some... small, so they bore a lot. They're very excitable. Yeah, he's got to be a big dog. And it's funny because the smallest one doesn't have to be a big dog. He, he knows he knows himself. Yeah, he's a murder machine. Yeah. <laughs> he can chase off bears. <laughs> Princess oh. cannot. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's you know, really the strength of this film is just how is the the amount of footage they have. And that's you know also why I Oh, so that's something I wanted to say while dogs expanding. are barking. Yeah. Uh, that's what something I wanted to say but while dogs yeah. are barking. So uh, like the really neat thing about this is that they recorded the audio in stereo instead of what they typically would have done in mono at the time, which is why you have so solid sound still in it instead of, you know, it's it sounding like. Inside of a tin can. Yeah, that's, bon- that's bonkers. Like 1969, they recorded it in stereo. Wash. That seems like so unlikely. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I like. I'm always. I was also kind of surprised that they even bothered to film this in color. To be like, you know, it's yeah. just like I. There's just like, or they use film instead of video. I mean, I guess film was still would might have been in more uh, versatile <laughs> than than video at the time. But you know, I mean, certainly if this took place in the '80s, it would have been all on video and looked like crap. Mm-hmm. So, you yeah. Know. 
Yeah, I mean, at that stage, like the, this, this guy was a he was a film director, right? Yeah. Um. So that that's maybe that was kind of in in his wheelhouse. But yeah, I mean, you know, since the, so much of the strength is just having all this footage, like that's why it's just like I'm sure there's a ton of footage that just like I, you know, we need to keep this at a reasonable length. That's like oh, the, there's it? forty hours of raw footage that yeah. Questlove started off by cutting it down to twenty four, and then separated it into like two twelve hour segments that he then chopped down to like three and a half. Wow. Well, I mean, you know, some of it is just like I know that like you know most of the footage of the crowd shots that he syncs to music probably wasn't necessarily you know happening during the same time as the that oh. particular oh, song, yeah. but like. All. Like, you know, so, I mean, how much of the footage is just, like, you know, panning over the crowd and stuff like that, that, you know, isn't the necessarily the most usable, but, you know, um, like, the, the footage of the artists themselves, like, it's pretty good, so. You see, you see people kind of, like, um, very, you, you can sense the kind of, uh, feeling of fear in the audience maybe or just that general sense of oppression that was happening at the time but then also that kind of break the music like breaking it down and i think that's what Questlove is trying to do like through the movie you know because it kind of it starts off with a lot more kind of blank faces you know in the crowd or just kind of like a mass of people and then we yeah. start seeing more kind of pockets of like what's the you know the the different styles that the people have there and you know and how they're expressing themselves in different ways um yeah and, so yeah, I mean, like, I, and can't, then i can't remember the name of the guy but like the uh, one who was essentially like a three or four year old when he went to it that they were interviewing because he's the guy who at the very end is like starts choking up because he's just thinking like I thought my entire life, I just imagined this. Yeah. And then to like, be able to finally see it and like, accept that, like, this is an experience that he actually had is like pretty fucking cool to me. Like he's got a line in there of, uh, I remember it just smelled like Afrosheen and fried chicken. Cause like, you know, people would just, there were no legit vendors back then. It was just like people showing up with like, all right, this is going on. I'm going to show up with Pack like lunch. a bunch of food. No, I'm going to show up with a bunch of fucking food and fucking sell some shit and make a buck. <laughs> mm. Cause like that's back when the American dream still actually existed. Unlike now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think there's, it brings up a lot of like what me and Emily were talking about while watching it was kind of the, uh, the way they cleaned up New York and Giuliani and all that. And like at, at what cost was that? And also kind of like, I think when we look back at the 70, late 60s, 70s in New York, it's kind of like, you know, we see now we see you, you got Joker, Taxi Driver, you know, and it always just is like the absolute pits, you know, it's like, it's, it's like the most crime ridden, like something out of a comic book. And I, well, I, I mean, they know, show I, some of that I, in the I, film I, that that, yeah, that some yeah. of that wasn't that completely inaccurate. I mean, there were a ton of like vacant, yeah, not buildings, to... and there was a serious drug epidemic. So, you know, yeah, I can't yeah, remember yeah. where I saw it, but like there was a paragraph that was talking about like, you know, the um, interviewing people when we had the moon landing, 
and everyone there was oh, yeah. like all just right give a shit. cool yeah. like so we can spend tons of money to go to the food but pe- but kids in harlem are still starving we've got yeah. this heroin epidemic like awesome and i mean it's still a, it's yeah. still an issue now of like you know i don't think that philanthropy is particularly good at solving problems and that's kind of what our system is in terms of how we deal with so many u.s problems that it's not great yeah like, because it just, obviously... they just change the optics of of it yeah. you know yeah. as opposed to fixing the problem right. and and partially where they dump the money it's like it's they don't dump the money into nasa anymore they dump the money and i mean they always dump the money in defense spending but like holy yeah. crap it's a different it's on a whole different level now yeah I mean, like, how many percentage points of our GDP is dedicated to defense spending? And that's not even going to our troops. That's going to largely military contracts. It's mostly, go- yeah, it's mostly going, yeah. It, yeah, it's mostly R&D on, um, you know, supersonic jets that don't work, supersonic missiles that don't work, yep. um, you know. Supersonic planes, that that supersonic tanks that don't work. Yeah, no, we, we've thrown tons <laughs> the, the of money. Tank. Uh, we've thrown tons of money, particularly at Boeing, uh, and gotten no return on it. Um, so it's great. But, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, But the problem is poor people. Yeah, That's obviously. always the problem in capitalism is poor people. These poor yeah. people are yeah, destroying our system. Yeah, yeah it's and, not... it, and it's much better for the uh, ruling, the capitalist ruling class to have uh, a scapegoat in a like an underclass as opposed to like doing what is necessary to lift them up so that so, so that that you know desperately poor underclass no longer exists because like it's an it's possible like, yeah no i mean it's much it more important to. yeah it's much more important to save a submarine full of billionaires than it is to save migrants um but you know who, who i mean this is like, this, how much uh, fucking this... how much fucking money are we spending on this right now I, how much I money are we taxpayers spending on this right now yeah no, it's, to it's, save a, a fucking because uh, like even watching cnn today like it, there were like it's three gross. stories going on and one of the stories is the sub full of billionaires no it's it's pretty Ooh, gross when you when yes. you look at at a lot of the you know shipping accidents involving you know oh migrants or migrant workers and like you know uh, it's it's like I, it, it's crazy that this is this is the case but but the messaging has been the same the whole time i mean i just literally uh, two days ago watched a video on a fox news video in prime time where they're still saying like look these homeless people they don't want they don't want to get a job you know they've given up they've given up and they every single day they're telling people to stop caring about people and eventually I mean, honestly after years I, and years I, I it starts to set in I don't fucking blame them. It, like I have reached oh, the point of like, caring? what in the yeah. fucking fuck is the fucking point of anything? Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. I trust me. <laughs> what is my reason yeah, for made... being to pass the butter? They've, Shit. they've made you more <laughs> apathetic, you know. But you don't have to succumb to that. Yeah. No, I I'm mean... saying like my life right now it has me questioning like, what the fuck is my purpose? What the fuck is any of our purpose for being? Like, there, I don't. There's no purpose. Yeah. No, there is no purpose, and that's fine. So why do I have to grind my body to dust for this corporate machine? Yeah, 
So, I mean, you know, and that's the thing is I feel like I, I, I like how fun. this how this documentary introduces is ideas like this. I just I wish that it expanded upon them a little bit further. Um, yeah. As like yeah. the directorial debut of Questlove, like I do enjoy him as a documentarian. I would be interested to see what else he does going forward. But uh, uh, I mean, I it just uh, it, like there was, there, to was too, there was a little like it was a little saccharine for me. Yeah, when it came uh, down to it. I think here, here are the only criticisms I would have. Is, yeah, it, it's it's a little hyperbolic at times. I think and kind of almost takes away from it by building it up too much. But also, like politically, I know Questlove is a more straightforward kind of moderate liberal guy, you know, or like slightly to the left. Um, you know, just judging from the fact that he's a multimillionaire working for NBC Universal, behind Jimmy Fallon. And you know they all share the same yeah. kind of pro pro systemic stuff, uh, or at least they don't they don't ever you know have any issue with anything that's going on other than the you know the the shit that you're meant to talk about in the news. Like they would never actually um, go after any any deserving uh, things because they're the people who pay their checks. You know. Well, I mean that's that's the thing is that base level. I think that this documentary is about remembering this this festival happened, yeah. and then not really going deeper into some like you know. I mean, at least it like it doesn't claim like this solved all of Harlem's problems. This yeah, was at least like it a, doesn't do a, a nice yeah. thing that was forgotten. Um, and and it is like you know it's important to remember that there are nice things that exist in the world, and that and like like though yeah. like you know elements of of you know black culture any culture really shouldn't be silenced and forgotten especially when there's something that we're, we're positive and, and community building i mean it's actually i think one of the saddest things about this is that i wish that they kind of talked about more is the fact that like like this festival didn't become an annual thing like you know yeah. it, it had at it at a brief period of time like i think this was like I, I think that they had done this for several years and they kept it going until maybe 72 but i know it dies by the 70s um by the early yeah. 70s um so i mean like I, and that's unfortunate um you know and, but we're talking but we were talking earlier about the fact that like it's unfortunate that so many of these things have become so commercialized to the point that like like things that used to be free are just like you have to pay for entry um that's and that's also an issue so. the irony the irony is not lost on me that nina simone is saying literally kill your oppressors right now on on a movie on disney fucking plus you know it's like this shit didn't <laughs> yeah. this shit didn't work it didn't work you know? <laughs> like we felt it was a failure but it was a very pleasant one and and it brought and it can bring hope to people and it can be its own separate thing you know, but like, let's not like go too crazy uh, uh, about uh, the relevance. Let's let's bear in mind, like Porik. I'm sorry, I know you're not an American, but like, let's bear in mind, this is one year after most likely our government's assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah, so it, it yeah. definitely fed a lot into the radicalization of a lot of the people. Um, I'm seeing conflicting things when I look online, but like. Uh, to some things say it was just for Sly and the Family Stone, some things say it was for all of it, but like there's a reason why the Black Panther Party operated as security for this because yeah. like they the the primarily white police were afraid outside of um oh who was the fucking mayor at the time? 
because like he he uh, was one of Lindsay? the huh i want to say his last name was Lindsay. i think you're right about that oh that republican politician in the movie yeah yeah Yeah. well it's always so funny to just look at how reagan kind of like pushed every minority out of the republican party at a time when it used to be a little bit more split and actually even lean republican so um but yeah it's crazy to see but like republicans weren't the monsters that they are today they, they didn't no, have they, well, they, I mean, they, you know, like Reagan, they, they were, Reagan changed the entire party and then Trump yeah. changed it again. So, yeah, yep. from what I understand, you know, even if there there was actual hands across the aisle on certain issues, whereas, you know, from a certain point that it was just declared that the other side is the enemy in all cases, you know, uh, yes, it's not, when not that it, I'm a, it's when Democrats it's when they went a black man to be president. Yeah, yeah, that, that thing. Things really fucking radicalized at that point, and then yeah. you know I, you have fucking Trump just like uh, profiting. Just to make it clear, I'm uh, I'm not I'm not throwing shade on this event or festival or saying that it doesn't have like credibility as part of a of, of the civil rights movement in any way. I'm just saying that in like now in 2023. Like just following on what you were saying. Dan, oh, hilariously, like how, how, John John Lindsay switched how commodified parties. It all is. Oh, oh no. John, John Lindsay nice. switched parties. <laughs> yep, he switched that parties. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> no, yeah, because you're right. Reagan completely changed the party. I mean, yep. like if you actually look at somebody like Nixon, it's like I know everybody loves to vil- you know vilify Nixon and like yeah, fucked up shit, but like my God, he like he was really tame compared to the guys who came he had after some inter- like he was actually pretty close to introducing a bill for ubi that effectively mm-hmm. would have been ubi yeah. like so i mean it's kind of crazy to think of a republican doing that but yeah uh john Lindsay was was mayor of new york he switched to the democratic party in 1971 so oh, okay <laughs> there you go uh oh yeah because that probably would have been like not long after watergate huh yeah, well, I mean, in really, it's just, yeah, Watergate and the whole civil rights movement, you know, basically, you just had um, some weird stuff going on with both parties of just kind of effectively flipping um, largely over reactions to George Wallace. So, uh, which again, you know, the the desegregation of schools is another topic that's briefly touched on in this uh, film. But uh, ultimately, like, again, it's just like you could expand upon that. But at the same time, it's just like I think that if you delved in too much into these things, the documentary could uh, like the music could get lost and the film could become heavy handed. So, yeah. I mean, like, I think that Questlove balances that really well. Um, I think he does. I and still, I, 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 I still yeah. wish that he went a little more. I agree, but like at the same time, if he doesn't feel confident in his ability to not like undermine the focus of the documentary by doing so, I would rather Mm. him take a light touch like this than to go too far in the other direction and lose like, you know, the like cultural moment that it is trying to like make people aware of. Yeah, and I'd have to say I really actually like the uh, ratio of music to talking, you know, like it's and I like because I like concert films, but I think it's I think it really strikes a good balance, you know, of being Mm -hmm. like, here's the 
context that you need for this and you know and not much more and a few like kind of touching uh moments from the people who were there uh, yeah and that i mean that was one of the things that i was saying about why expanding this is because like you keep that ratio you just add more of both yeah you know, but right. at the same ratio and you get even more like and and especially that means that you're getting significantly more concert footage than you are kind of the talking head stuff but um yeah. you know i i, I just like, hate I, I, I hate music documentaries that just keep dipping in and out of the like t- 15 seconds of a song you know oh, oh and yes, that's that's one of the things that i love about this one is like yeah. we get like two Four to tracks. three full songs of individual performers yeah most like, of the featured this, this performers is more get about the music song. yeah yeah and the music is so damn good oh it's so damn good like i'm like yeah they're breaking barriers all across the place you got sly and the family stone up there with its diverse crew you know um i love the curation of this festival it's such a great uh, was Sly the one that had like the styles. white drummer and everyone's yes. like what's up with the white drummer yep yeah he and don't a, got rhythm and a, <laughs> yeah. and a woman uh, and a woman on a horn which was also seen yeah as bizarre <laughs> well i mean they, well they talked about it too of the fact of the matter was that like I, for the most part, bands were pretty segregated by, by gender at the time too. So like yeah. to have bands like fifth dimension and Sly, and, uh, Sly and the family stone, um, uh, that did have, um, members from, um, both genders like that, you know, was extremely progressive at the time. So, and like, but just, I know that they did break it down into different genres, but like, can you imagine like the diaspora of different like styles that are presented here from like the, the of interest to the youngest person to the oldest person you know it's like, well, like that's, gospel hymns from you know a hundred years ago match with, that's like, why they had like separate that's yeah. why they had like separate theme weeks like yeah th- this is like a, that none of the descriptions of things have like the only place I found this is I'm guessing from one of the original posters for the cultural festival that's in the end credits. So I had to pause and take a picture of it so I could actually get it. But uh, week one was Broadway in Harlem. And that's why you had fifth dimension as your headliner. Uh, week two was the gospel. Broadway. festival. Yeah. I mean, like fucking Broadway didn't always used to be prohibitive to attend as people. Right. It just became hard because, you know, the, the major challenge was like trying that, to get a ticket, not being able to afford a ticket. Yeah. Even like, as, even as a middle-class person now, I like can't fucking afford to go see shows in Broadway that I want to see. Well, they're I mean, insane. now it's they're you insanely can't afford and it, but like that's the thing. Now it's you cannot afford to go to it. Instead of then when it's yeah. like, oh, it's a really popular you show, were not and I cannot get a ticket to yeah. it because there are no tickets left. It's I mean, not that I can't afford Hamilton a was kind to of it. both, but yeah, yeah, Hamilton was kind of both. But like Hamilton, uh, Hamilton was well, actually, no, I think Wicked was more the game changer when it came to like affordability although we go even further back and you can go like, further back than that yeah lion yeah, king like, like lion king was there like like you know i mean you know you, you phantom 
Like, I was gonna say, Andrew Lloyd Webber probably had something yeah. to do with that. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, I'm Andrew sure, Lloyd Webber like... was was the one who really turned Broadway into like, like you Business. need like some spectacle to happen on stage. I mean, it's just kind of the Phantom you... of the Upper Room. Nah, it's all about the chandelier. It's all about the stupid chandelier. Oh yeah. So, what's that like um, sea creature that's like a big blob that doesn't really have a face? An amoeba. Yeah, that's Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was just a bro. Yeah, he's a sea cucumber. <laughs> he's a sea cucumber. He's an uh, absolute sea cucumber. All right, so week one was Broadway in Harlem. Week two was Gospel Festival. Three, Soul Fest. Uh, four, Caribbean Fest, which I think we do see some of the bands, but not nearly as much as you know, weeks one, two, three, and five, five being blues and jazz. Um, and then six, I don't think we see any of because it's Miss Harlem Festival and local talent. Sorry, I don't have the uh, the actual. All right. So, yeah, fifth dimension makes sense for that. Uh, yeah, all these make sense. Uh, did you guys watch until after the credits and see Stevie Wonder no. be kind of an asshole? Yep. No. Oh, yeah. It's kind of funny. It's kind of funny. Nice. Uh, his manager is trying to get him off stage and he doesn't want to come off stage. He still feels like going. And his manager is like giving him shit and he's throwing that shit right back and, you know, also undermining his manager, literally saying, you wouldn't have that suit without me because <laughs> uh, yeah, his manager doesn't contribute anything to the art. His manager just uses him. Yeah. Yay! No, that's a whole nother discussion. <laughs> that's about, a whole nother discussion uh, about how art is gatekept. Um, but uh, which screws I just, over, uh... over both audiences and artists, but mm -hmm. whatever. Quickly retract my statement about Andrew Lloyd Webber being a sea cucumber. He had a real rough go of it through his life, so you know I take that back. That I don't know. I mean, his musicals no. still suck. I mean, his music oh, talent is like, great. I, I mean, like some like, of his musicals. He just kind of steals crap from not. other from other people. So. I was gonna say having a yeah. rough go of it does not excuse asshole behavior. Sorry. Yeah. Um. What making a bad musical? <laughs> oh no he's also kind of he if, from what i've heard he's also just a dick so yeah yeah he's meant to be a bit of a dick but you know is that a crime depends on depends on what you're how you're being a dick <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it can be when you pull out your sea cucumber from what I can tell, uh, someone someone pulled the sea cucumber on him when he was younger, so that's that's why. They uh, yeah, abuse um, doesn't excuse abuse, though. No. Yeah, but I yeah. mean, unfortunately, it tends to follow it, that vicious cycle. Vicious cycle, so. yeah. Yeah. Anyway, right. on so that I'm, uplifting I'm note, sitting here doing the P dance, and we're on a high note. So yeah, I I, I think I think we can <laughs> get to we're... verdicts now. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. So well, let's go first. I'll go first. I mean, it's definitely a see it. I I had no idea that this existed before hearing about this documentary, and you know, like it was it was incredible. Like the 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 documentary itself is great the 
performances are incredible. Like the footage is awesome. Like, yeah, definitely worth it. Yeah. Absolutely I'll go, see it. Uh, I'll go. Uh, yeah, see it. Um, it's so this works on every level. It's like a, a well-made movie. It's a, a something that not any other doc of its sort could be. Is that it's like a massive novelty surprise to find this like thing and bring it back uh, from non-existence, which is really exciting. Uh, the music is amazing, uh, and yeah, I love it. See it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's definitely a see it for me as well. And I mean, to kind of piggyback off what Emily said, it's like, it's something that I don't think I would have been aware of without this documentary. Um, and I think, think that, you know, uh, kind of the main reason for making this is to preserve this, to have this as uh, have something in that it showcases that this is existed, that this happened. Um, and I think that, you know, that it, it's very effective at that. Um, I think, you know, I mean, I mean, I have said the main criticism I have is that you could really expand this because they, I know they had so much footage and, you know, it's like the footage really is the star here of like, just see it of um, like, I see more of this footage, have more ways of having this footage out there. But, you know, I mean, like, like it does a really good job of showcasing the uh, performances in, you know, really high quality um, recordings. Um, and, you know, I mean, like the talking head stuff, I think all feels relevant and it's well woven in. Um, I just, you know, I think you could expand upon this, which is really, you know, when, when a movie leaves you wanting in more, um, that can be a good thing. I mean, sometimes it's like, I wanted something to happen, but it's like something happens here. It's just like, you know, even more of it. So yeah, these are some of like, the, yeah. Can I make this amazing joke? These are some of the best talking heads I've seen <laughs> since the talking heads concert film. <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, stop making actually, sense damn I, I forgot the name I, I still need to actually watch that um, oh it's great I, I'm they're re-releasing it in the cinema so. this year I'm a fan of talking so sure like is, is re-releasing it shut the fuck up I got a piss I'm trying to rush this along <laughs> alright but yes uh, piggyback, piggybacking off of what everybody else has said like Hal Tolchin knew that there was something amazing here and that's why, like, he threw down his own money and organized this with no guarantee of sale to, like, capture this moment in history. And I appreciate the shit out of that. Like, this is, like, it, it's been called Black Woodstock to try and sell it. And it's like, no, man, th this is actually better than Woodstock. Woodstock still charged you. Well, I mean, this Tony Lauren, for the community. I, I, I think this Tony... I think the organizer still paid him to film it, but he also probably gave him, he probably like took a discount on it if he got to keep the footage, but you know, but still, still, um, yeah. that this is totally worth watching. It's not a thing that I ever knew existed until I saw it. And it's absolutely worth the watch, especially if you have any appreciation for music, like it's, it's a time capsule in the best of senses, like an absolute fucking see it for me. Um. Yeah, I need to piss, so somebody else gets to wrap up for me. Uh, Dan, yeah. pitch your thing. Oh yeah, my. Uh, you can check out my webcomic uh, with fetus.com. Emily, pitch your thing. 
Uh, TJ and I have another podcast that has been fairly intermittent lately, but it's called New England Beer Reviews. You should go check it out and listen to us talk about beer when we decide to do it. I do little reviews on Critiker.com under the name Myerlerk and uh, probably have some other stuff happening eventually. I don't know. Who has the time? Yeah. Um, Otherwise, I guess you can follow us on what? the the twitters um and the the patreons yeah yeah i think give uh, us money on patreon please god give us money on patreon yeah uh s-i-o-s-i that's it yeah that sounds right (laughs) yep um yep the initials of our show um i don't know what else there what what other things we're supposed to say he usually does the whole last word thing and and we always just say random things awkwardly um until we end the episode okay so i guess we're at that point now um bye 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 we can't stop the recording. <laughs> yeah, no, we have to wait until TJ gets back, but he'll figure that out. Yeah, he'll figure it out. Um, that was good. Yeah. Kind of a hard one to talk about. I, yeah, I, I, I think we talked about it pretty well. I don't know how long that recording was, but I think it was decent. Yeah. Probably just under an hour, I think. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, solid, solid length. Yeah, it's... um. Yeah, it's like it's hard to say much that's not said in the movie. Well, I mean, <laughs> it describes that's... itself perfectly, and then it's just a bunch of really cool music. You know, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, well, I, I covered mean, covered all those things. Yeah, I mean, it's not like this is like like an agenda documentary. It, it's not yeah. like a Michael Moore film that's just like like so clearly through a lens of like partisanship that it's uh, that you know it's like I yeah. W- I agree with you, but I'm noticing a lot of your like manipulative tactics and omissions that are kind of glaring. So yeah, yeah. I, I I like that about it. It feels like properly researched and not like yeah, you know, like I said, there is a couple of moments of like okay, you're like laying it on a little bit thick, but that's just down to the talking heads, you know um and like i'm sure that experience to them is that important you know it's not like they're being disingenuous or something but like that's but this like i only i only say that because as someone who's watched a million concert movies like this one does it the least you know it's like it really doesn't have that they all have that because it's like you've got someone in a room saying how about I'm making a movie about this an amazing cultural event, you know, uh, t- talk yeah. to me about it. So they're always going to be, you know, like give, building it up massively. Uh, we stopped recording, by the way, TJ, just so you know, or we yeah, yeah. We're, we're done. We're yeah, done. We're just, yeah, you can stop recording.